Hi, this is Sam and Danushi, and you're listening to Bell Hooks and Jazz on Radio Fodder. And Sam, what are we talking about this week? This week it's a big one. It's a bit different. We're getting some bit more hot takes in the works. We're getting some anger out. We're getting some frustration out because yeah. it's been a big week in the endo community in Australia. And so we thought for this week, we're just going to deep dive on into it. We're just going to talk about it all. Talk Lovely. about balls deep. Balls deep. <laughs> yeah, balls to the wall. We're going to... Um, yeah. Yeah, we're just going to break it down and have a bit of a rant. This is going to be like an hour of ranting. So mm-hmm. sorry about that um, if you're upset about it. Uh, stop listening, maybe. Stop maybe, listening. Maybe this isn't the podcast for you. Maybe this isn't the radio show for you if you don't want to hear two people getting really angry about um, federal politicians. And Yeah. Um, the corruption of alleged corruption of um, non-government organizations exactly and with, so uh, with all mm-hmm. that being said should we throw to a song this is dancing on my own by robin a fave of mine welcome back to bell hooks and jars on radio fodder you're with sam and danushi danushi what's been happening where were we last week um look I'm a goldfish. I could not tell you. All I can tell you is that at this moment, I am in my parents' bedroom, isolating. Yep. yep. As I have finally gotten the plague. I've, yeah. I've been plagued. You've been I've plagued. Gotten the, I've gotten the Omicron. Omicron. Yeah. The Omicron. Uh, you've gotten the spicy cough. What am I saying? Yeah, the spicy stuff. Um, the wait, can you do a good Donald Trump impression? China, the China yeah. flu. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, so that's what's uh, happening this week. So yeah, last week what was happening was I was on my period, which is very topical mm. for today's episode. Sorry if you just heard a cargo pass. I was on my period, so I was in like a world of pain and awfulness. Um, and Danushi was just like emotionally not keeping it together. No, a trip to the emergency department may yeah. have been involved. Maybe. But, but that's neither here or there. No, and that's nobody's business. <laughs> no. It wasn't uh, actually their business either. Like, it wasn't the doctor's business either because they seemed the ER, to not care. Yeah, the ER was like, mm, you're fine, go home. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah. Yeah. So, and also it was my birthday last week. I turned 21. It's supposed mm. to be fun turning 21. It was not. It was, I had a shit week. You know, just various various issues. Mm. Um. And, yeah, but, oh, some great news for me. My psychologist has finally come back after having long COVID. So a little birthday present for me. Got to Mm. see Maureen twice last week. And then... Use some therapy, don't spend it all at once. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Shall we go to another song? Yeah, let's go to another song. Door by Caroline Caroline Palaszczuk. 
Polachek. <laughs> it's Door by Caroline Polachek. Well done, Denise. Not Palache, like the Not politician. Anastasia. <laughs> Caroline Polachek. <laughs> Welcome back. You're listening to Bell Hooks and Jars on Radio Fodder with Sam and Danushi. That was Door by Caroline Polachek. Uh, so, Danushi, is it a fact that you're an immunologist? Well, my bachelor's degree with a major in immunity and infection might might support that fact yeah and what's your honors degree looking at gynecology and endo endometriosis so tell us about endo please expert in the room (laughs) oh we have two experts actually yeah I'm a lived experience expert expert exactly And so endo, or as it is a more formally known as endometriosis is, well, let's start off with a few terms. So so endometrium, so that is you have your uterus. And, and then it's you have the lining that bleeds, it's, right? Exactly. So it's the outer lining that um, is shed out during the menstrual cycle yeah yeah and so what happens is in people that have endometriosis is that that cells like the lining of your uterus grow elsewhere and so that the interesting point is they're not the same it's histologically different yeah despite what doctors might tell you yeah it's not the lining it's different So what usually the scientific definition of endometriosis is that people will have lesions or like just abnormal tissue that is like endometrium, endometrial tissue. So it's Mm. not the endometrium going outside, but something has gone wrong either in terms of the differentiation of those cells or the clearance of those cells that Mm. abnormal cells are growing outside your uterus and Mm. so that can classically lead to symptoms like pelvic pain oh yeah um (laughs) pain during and after sex, pain with urination, pain with defecation, just still a lot of pain, as well as um, infertility. And often like really bad period pain. Yeah. And often it's diagnosed, it starts with primary dysmenorrhea, which is what they call uh, period pain that they don't have any other explanation for. You're first diagnosed with primary dysmenorrhea and they tell you some take some, to take some Nurofen and go away. Mm-hmm. Um, and then 7 to 12 years later, mm-hmm. <laughs> find out that you have endo. Yeah. So that's like one of the red hot stats of yeah. endometriosis is that it takes about six years to for um, someone to get diagnosed so that's like the average um, average time from the onset of symptoms to a diagnosis via the type of surgery is six years 
So in that interim, <laughs> mm. people are just in the trenches. And no, okay. and we're given no explanation for why. Yeah. Yeah. It's also, like, I think it's important to note that, like, firstly, this isn't just a period pain. It's not just once a month. Like, it can get to a point where, like it does for me, as I'll talk about later, I have pain all through my cycle. And it is quite debilitating and I can't work anymore. And that's a bit struggle street. <laughs> um, and it's, yeah, it really, it's a bit of a life ruiner, to be honest. Mm. So thank you, Tanushi, for doing research on it. <laughs> <laughs> You're so welcome. I'm really doing God's work. You are. You are. I'm, I'm not. I'm not. But I do... Um, the silver lining in all of this is that endometriosis is getting a lot of attention and at the moment, yeah, at the moment. And sadly, the way that science research is set up is that things that are popular and in the public consciousness will just get more funding and will just be mm. more research. So, mm. I have empirically seen a lot of um, money and just brain power go into endometriosis research. But at the same time, that usually means that other things are not being researched. And also, well, it's good that endometriosis is getting researched because we've got no, we've got no good reason why it's happening. We've got no good explanation cool. and we've got no good treatment for it. Mm -hmm. Um, there's some research happening though that is ridiculous and um, unnecessary. Like, did you see that study that was like men find women with endometriosis more attractive? No. And how that would have passed an ethics? No. It, how it, that would have passed ethics is beyond me. But uh, yeah, that was there was a paper published. Mm. Another peer-reviewed peer-reviewed paper published asking men to rate women with endometriosis on how hot they think they are oh what that's so the red fuck? hot that's so, so red hot another <laughs> some red hot stats just quickly while we're on that like so one in nine people with uteruses in australia have endo hmm. and a red hot stat that i saw recently 50% of people with endo have considered suicide. Mm -hmm. I think that's really a, that's a symptom of the gross mismanagement of endo in the medical yeah. system. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that goes to show, like, I think that just goes to show the hopelessness and helplessness that people with endo feel because all the therapies that are offered are either just repurposed mm. drugs from mm. other things which we'll uh, talk about later <laughs> yes we will and are just like surgery which yeah. again, has its own complications own complications such and expensive as 
expensive can lead to infertility and reduction in ovarian reserve or like the amount of viable eggs that Mm. one has and also is not conclusively known to help pelvic pain no and also I wonder with surgery like surgery involves surgery is very um traumatic for your body to go through Mm -hmm. I feel like everybody forgets everybody ignores how it's completely unnatural and not normal to have someone cut you open and poke around yeah so I wonder if you know the thought is now going towards endo being more of an immunological disorder um how good for your immune system can surgery be and then pumping you with iv antibiotics while they do Mm -hmm. it like obviously they've got to do that they've got to give you antibiotics so you don't get infected and whatever but still yeah it's a bit i don't know how and also you know it can lead to scar tissue which is it gives you more pain and Mm -hmm. also if you're seeing a doctor who does ablation instead of excision it's just burning off the top of the endo and not removing the whole Mm -hmm. lesion so yeah yeah and so just to pop in with some more technical jargon Mm. um the type of well there's three types of surgery Mm. a laparotomy and a laparoscopy Mm. and so you so a laparotomy is when you make big excisions or you make a big excision down the abdomen and then the surgeon will just like look in there yeah with their (laughs) naked eye (laughs) yeah but what we now more commonly use what use is called a laparoscopy which is more of a keyhole surgery and they'll chuck a little camera in yeah have a look um but that doesn't mean and they that take photos any, too. yeah that doesn't mean that it's any less invasive or yeah. like traumatic mm. and another thing of note is that that technically is the only way to be diagnosed yes. with a endometriosis is via the surgery Hmm. so it's almost it's almost like a Schrodinger's cat kind of thing where it's like you don't know until you do a certain you don't know until you cut someone open that they have and oh it's not that you don't know or you do know it's more that's just the guideline like that's just what um is that's just what is or that's the only type of diagnostic that's accepted yeah so that's like a little bit of a callback to last week where it's like Mm. a lot of these definitions and diagnostic criteria are like not neutral and they're not Mm. they're not um objective whereas like instead of maybe looking for I mean we are looking for other things to be able to diagnose endometriosis with mm. but in having because there's a lot of things that you need that diagnosis for whether it's applying for a pension whether it's um yeah. getting prescribed this medication mm. blah 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 
So if you need that diagnosis and the only way to get the diagnosis is through expensive surgery, which you have to go through a lot of loopholes to be able to even be on a wait list for. And also it's it's also like when you're first going into the sphere of seeing doctors, Mm -hmm. you don't know who's going to be good at it. Mm -hmm. And you don't yeah and also there could be complications like I'll talk about later my experience with endo but um you know bowel endo is pretty common and which is which is when endo grows in or on your bowel um and if they are to remove that that can cause complications too such as you know if you have a leak in your bowel that can lead to sepsis which could possibly kill you Mm -hmm. um or you may have to temporarily have a stoma bag, which um, is inconvenient. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's just, yeah, it's a lot. Endo is, oh, it's a lot. There's a lot going on there. It's a lot. Mm. Shall we go to a song? Yeah, let's do it. What's the song? The song is quite appropriately oh, or yeah. inappropriately. No, I'd, I'd say it's appropriate. Body, yaddy, 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 yaddy. Bye. Bye, Megan. Megan the Stallion. Ooh, yeah. So that was Body by Megan the Stallion. And mm. we are Sam and Danushi for Bell Hooks and Jazz on Radio Fodder. And so we've been talking about what endometriosis is. And mm. so now let's talk about what living with endometriosis is really like. So Sam. I'm the expert. Yeah. Um, so I'm 21. My story with endo has been long though. Mm-hmm. So when I was, I'm going to say nine, 10 years old, I was already having quite severe pelvic pain and I was taken to the children's twice they were like "Ooh, pelvic area we don't know what to do about that maybe go to the women's mm-hmm. um and even still so then I got a ultrasound I had some I had some bloods taken at the children's that showed there was inflammation I don't know what markers that they used for that but they said that uh-huh. there was inflammation in my, it was markers for inflammation in my bloodstream. Uh-huh. And then I had an ultrasound and that showed nothing of any importance. Uh-huh. So um, also that began, that ultrasound when I was like 10 began my um, long and experience of every time I have an ultrasound, even though I've never had sex with someone with a penis, um, worrying that there's going to be a baby in there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's that began that. And then I had my first period when I was 11. It was the 25th of January 2012. I know mm-hmm. this because it was the day before Invasion Day and we were meant to be going to the beach that day. And I was mm. like, no, no, I'm staying right here in bed because I was... Day one, first period, fainting, vomiting. Yeah. That much pain. It was awful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And little 11-year-old me did not know what the fuck just hit them. Yeah. 
And like, you know, I think it's difficult for parents often to be like, oh, what is, what is serious here? Mm-hmm. Um, so I was taken to the doctor. The doctor was like, mm, have you tried Nurofen? And I was like, mm-hmm. yes, I've tried Classic. Nurofen. <laughs> um, and then, I don't know, they were just sort of like, oh, this is part of being a woman. Also, this was a man doctor that I saw. Mm-hmm. Red flag. <laughs> Red flag. Yeah. Pain is just part of being a woman. Firstly, yeah. woman. Hmm. But secondly, like that, if screaming, crying, throwing up, and fainting. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if we should just be like, oh, suck it up. Mm. That's probably not good. So I think this is the point at which I'm going to. I'm going to do a public service announcement to yeah. anyone with periods mm. that feel as though they're bothered by their period, that they are overly fatigued, they're overly, they're in a lot of pain. They find that because of their period, they are unable to do things or yeah. Yeah. they are, you know, just in bed, yeah. etc. I am here to tell you that I'm not going to say that's, in quotation marks, not normal, but I'm trying to, I, what I'm trying to, what I want to say is that is enough for you to go get help uh, yeah. or like go have something checked out. And honestly, I am of the belief having done, you know, other research and spoken to particularly people in, who practice non-Western mainstream medicine. Mm-hmm. I believe period pain, though common, isn't actually normal. And pain mm-hmm. is your body telling you that something is wrong. There are people mm-hmm. who have periods who have no pain. Mm, exactly. And whether it is a sign that, that you're just generally have too much inflammation, which is mm-hmm. often with the diets that we have in the West Mm -hmm. um, or anything, you know, could be a hormonal issue. It doesn't have to be endo, but it's probably a sign that something is up if you're having a lot of pain or any pain to, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. I think just because it's like pain is very normalized, but it shouldn't be. No, because especially if you're finding that you're withdrawing from activities or like socializing like that is not a good sign if you're missing school and work and missing seeing people then that's that's a sign that something like you need to get like and also you deserve more like you deserve to have some level of help care and some kind of therapeutic administration yeah and like I think you know we we deserve better than having to spend a week out of the month where we're out of action yeah exactly even a couple of days a month yeah even a day a month like that is still a that adds up yeah that's 30 to Nope, there's not 30 days, days a year. <laughs> 12. 12 that's still like 
well, realistically, it's just not one day. Like, no. it's more than one. If it's, let's just gener- generously say three, not generously, conservatively, say mm. three days a month. Yeah. That's still, that is like 30 to 40 days a year. Yeah. And also, like, the test. If you if you work and this is coming out of your sick leave, I think that that is a a workplace gender gap. Yeah, that you know, I think you know, in an ideal world, I think that people with uteruses should be allowed to have period leave. Yeah, because if you get sick later, if you get you know. Like, as we've seen with people getting COVID, mm-hmm. that then has to come out of your annual leave and then you don't, mm. get, you don't get a holiday or then if you run out of annual leave, you don't get paid. Mm. So, yeah, back to my story. Mm-hmm. So I went to another doctor later. They were once again like, have you tried Nurofen? And this was another man. I was like, yes, I've tried Nurofen um angry and then when I was 17 I saw another doctor another GP also the one in the middle told me the GP in the middle told me if you have endo we won't know until you're 30 Mm -hmm. which looking back I'm like where'd you get that number from (laughs) because that's (laughs) wrong (laughs) yeah someone was napping during that lecture (laughs) exactly the only like thing I can say there is it is from the literature Mm. it's like what they say is that the growth of endometrial lesions are due to estradiol or estrogen and um, I think maybe Estrogen is obviously a um, hormone that's produced by your ovaries. And Mm -hmm. so, and like that high level production of estrogen occurs after one begins to ovulate. And so maybe the doctor was saying like, you potentially might need to be a menstruating person to be diagnosed which is crazy because I had been menstruating for like six yeah. years at that point when they t- told me that oh yeah yeah so and regularly monthly like I had very regular 28 day periods at that time and they were like we won't know till you're 30 so I was just like okay and then they put me on two well first I tried one type of hormonal co- contraceptive pill um Levlin which is a combined, okay. combined oral contraceptive. Uh, that did not go well for me. I gained a lot of weight and my skin broke out. That sounds, you know, my skin breaking out sounds like, sounds like a bit of a, you know, self-centered, like not that important thing. But it was very bad and mm-hmm. it, um, it affected my skin for a long time. Mm-hmm. To the point where several years later, I had to go on Accutane mm-hmm. because I had cystic acne. Yeah. Because, and I'd never had any acne before trying Levlin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the other thing is, um, oh, and the other one was I, after that, I went on to Yasmin, which 
is uh, just, it's not a combined oral contraceptive, it's just estradiol, no, it's just the um, estradiol, estrogen one. Why would they put you on an estrogen pill? Um, I don't know, because there was too much androgen in Levelin or something. Was it for the endo or was it to correct? No, it was just to cor- it was just another ah. pill to try oh we'll try to get rid of your periods. So mm. that didn't go well either. I already have poor mental health. That gave yeah. me paranoid delusions. <laughs> I thought people were breaking into my house to kill me. Yasmin, if you're Googling Danushi. Yeah, it's just combined. Is it? I think it had but it was different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure it was. Yeah. So a little quick thing whilst about combined contraceptive pills. Yeah. Is that so the two big hitters, big hormones in the, in quotation marks, female reproductive system mm. is estrogen and progesterone. And so these pills, they have... Um, Obviously, they combine both of them. And the way that endometrial lesions work is that they grow using estrogen and they are resistant to progesterone. Mm. And so because the combined pills still have estrogen in them and estrogen is what drives the growth, the combined pills have not been seen to be very effective. No. <laughs> because they have the thing that drives the growth. Yeah. And also, we'll get to this later as well, but this, like, shows one of my big issues that I have with uh, the way endo is treated is that we are given treatments that aren't for endo. The combined oral contraceptive pill was not designed to treat endo. It was designed to stop you getting pregnant. Mm -hmm. I don't think it's too much to ask Mm -hmm. (laughs) to have something that actually is for me. I would like to know what percentage of um, oral contraceptive what percentage of the uses usage of oral contraception is actually for contraception and not for yeah. primary period pain depression endo- <laughs> depression oh yeah they give it to you for anything um, like uh, pmdd um mm-hmm. pre- premenstrual With- dysphoric disorder if you're wondering mm-hmm. um oh acne mm-hmm uh yeah so many things they give it to you for um and as we've joked before if you have a uterus every doctor will think there's something wrong with you if you're not on SSRIs and the pill pill. (laughs) so yeah so I stopped Yasmin and I was just like fuck this I'm just leaving it for a while Mm -hmm. And I went on, continued having just awful, awful periods, stopping me from functioning, screaming, crying, throwing up and fainting. And then I started um, 
And I thought this was completely normal and Danushi finds it hilarious and awful that I thought this was normal. But I then started um, fainting from pain when I tried to open my bowels on my period. Fainting, fully fainting on the toilet. That's insane to me. And I was just like, "Mm, women have pain. (laughs) It just shows how disserviced you were by the yeah, the health system, if you thought that that was normal. Mm, mm. So then last October, I'm in major pain. I'm in mm-hmm. 10 out of 10 pain for 24 hours, and I don't know why. I'm not on my period. It's the middle of my cycle. I hadn't actually had a period for, like, two months at that point. Mm. <laughs> I was My cycle went a bit weird last year as well, so I also went from having, like, pretty regular 28-day cycles to we're pushing 60, we're pushing 40. Mm, yeah so that's that's a bit of an issue as well um so I was having this mad pain awful awful pain I go to the ER at the women's Danushi had to convince me to go I I called Danushi and I called my brother um and they both had to convince me to go to the hospital yeah Danushi actually called me an uber Mm -hmm. (laughs) and I rocked up at the ER at midnight Thank God, nobody else in the waiting room. I was seen in 15 minutes, Mm. which is great. So they um, took some bloods, which didn't show much because I think they wanted to, I think they also did a pregnancy test. They wanted to check if I was, you know, the usual suspects, pregnant, STDs. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And none of that could be found. So then they they went in and speculumed me, which is an awful experience. Mm. No, um, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> Especially now that I know that um, my, I later found out several, like a few months ago that um, my like vaginal muscles have become really tight over time from being in pain and becoming mm. sensitized. So chucking in the spec- speculum is honestly like the worst thing ever. It's so bad. Um. It's like a quite large, was it metal? It was plastic and it was lighter. Oh, okay. That was fun. Makes it fun. (laughs) But, um, But you know, Google speculums, people, if you don't know. It's like for some reason, every time I see a speculum, it just looks like a faucet to me, like a. Yeah, it looks kind of like like a tap. Yeah. And And they, they crank you open. They yeah. insert it in you and then they, they like crank it to open you yeah. up to have a look in. Um, and then they were like, we think you've probably got endo. So mm-hmm. then I was referred to my first gynae who I saw privately. In December, I had a diagnostic laparoscopy, which we talked about before, laparoscopies. Mm-hmm. Um, and that found stage four endo, living the dream, and also pelvic inflammatory disease. Quick detour for pelvic inflammatory disease. This is another thing I hate about the medical system. When I was told I had PID, I was told that it is most likely due to gonorrhea or chlamydia. Mm -hmm. At which point I was like, "Mm, I don't know if I've got either of those. Mm -hmm. And I said to them, you did the pathology, right? And she was like, yeah. And I was like, well, were you able to culture that? either of those STIs she was like no and then Mm -hmm. she was continuing to push 
that it was probably gonorrhea or chlamydia. And I was just like, this just doesn't make, don't make no sense, love. <laughs> and also, you know, I kind of think I know my sexual history better than you do, genius. <laughs> so then I did some Googling, Sam Googles, mm-hmm. and I found out that in 70% of cases, neither gonorrhea nor chlamydia can be found to be making the PID happen. Mm-hmm. So why are we telling everybody that it's because of this? And why are we kind of slut-shaming patients? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Just being like, oh, it's your fault. You had unsafe sex. Exactly. So I, in my immune- immunology degree, we learned extensively about um, STIs and pelvic inflammatory disease. Mm. And we only ever learned about it in the context of STIs because Mm. we are told that sexually transmitted diseases are usually asymptomatic and therefore go undiagnosed and therefore just exist inside your bits, causing a lot of inflammation and therefore Mm. leading to PID. Yeah. And I didn't realise that, like you said, so many people that have been diagnosed with PID didn't. 70%, they can't culture it. Which, I mean, I will say that the STIs are hard to culture. That's why they can't be transmitted otherwise. But still, you you should be able to. If you're going in and poking at my PID with your little (laughs) Q-tip, you should be able to find something. Yeah, exactly. Um, And so I think, like you said, it's so... Whoops, my brain just had a... It doesn't... The facts don't add up. No, it doesn't add up. So, yeah, I find... So I've got stage four endo and PID, which is lovely. Another thing about the endometriosis staging... Mm. So endometriosis stage one, two, three, four, depending on the amount uh, and location severity severity of your lesions or abnormal tissue growth. But it's Um, very subjective to the doctor that diagnoses you. Very subjective to the doctor and also famously does not correlate with someone's symptom experience. So someone with stage one endo, meaning little lesions, can have very, very bad pain. And someone with stage four endo, lots of lesions everywhere, very deep um, uh, endometriomas or cysts on the ovaries, like all of that, chocolate cysts, might be (laughs) maybe asymptomatic. And that becomes very pertinent when... You have to apply for things Mm. like um, pensions because you're out of work. Yeah. Disability support pension, like. um, Which I'm in the process of applying for and it is horrifically difficult and you have to have the wording so precise from each of your doctors. Yeah, Yeah. it's it's a bloody nightmare. And not only that, it, it, you are only um, eligible to apply for it if you have stage four endo. Mm. So if you have stage one endo and you're just having the worst time, you're unable to work because, again, 
the staging doesn't correlate with your experience or the severity of your mm. pain, you're not eligible for a pension just because yeah. some doctor, like, just because of what the doctor's idea of yeah, you're the severity of your disease. Yeah. So then after that, I have my follow-up appointment with the doctor after surgery, with mm-hmm. the gynecologist. They, um, I'm like, hey, I'm still in pain all the time. Oh, also, I was put on, like, the most insane course of antibiotics that I've ever been on, six different types. Like, they were literally throwing everything at the wall hoping something sticks, um, yeah. and that messed around my GI system for ages until I was like, oh, it was probably that antibiotics and took some in health plus and now I'm feeling a lot better but so I see my gynecologist I'm like hey hey, I'm in pain all the time still and she's like well you shouldn't be because I removed all the endo Mm -hmm. and I'm like but I am so I don't know what to say to you (laughs) and (laughs) you know what you tell her that (laughs) literature extensively says that a, a laparoscopy or excision surgery mm. does not most of the time improve pain symptoms. Yeah, and also, like, not all endo is visible to the naked eye. Yeah, so like microscopic endo. Yeah, so when she's going in and excising what she can see, mm-hmm. what about there could be plenty of plenty more endo that she can't see. Mm-hmm. And then after that, I was only offered hormonal treatment. Um, I don't want an IUD. If an IUD works for you, I'm happy for you. And um, that's great. But Wishing an, you the best. Wishing, wishing you the best. But for me and my experience with hormonal treatments, yeah. I don't want to fuck with that. And also, I'll link this paper, but... Um, like a week after my surgery, because I was going to get the IUD put in while in surgery, a week after my surgery, a paper came out saying that um, I think it's Pfizer that makes the marina. Mm-hmm. Whoever makes the marina um, has been lying about how far into the body the hormones go. So they have been saying since like the 90s that it only is in the pelvic area it does not go past your uterus to which when my doctor told me that I was like that doesn't sound right that sounds like fake news Mm -hmm. and then they've done studies on it now and guess what it is fake news they've been lying and something that we should always remember is do not trust a single thing that a pharmaceutical company tells you (laughs) they don't care about you they just want your money yeah no exactly yeah so again, I'm only offered hormonal treatment and I'm like, I look at this and I'm like, I've said so many times that I don't want hormonal treatment. There has to be something more that you can do for me. Mm-hmm. So I moved to a new gynae. She's really good. I'm not sure if I'm going to still be able to see her because she's really expensive and I have no money, but she has been good. Um, and she then referred me to get a... Um, it's called a special endo scan, which is an internal ultrasound with bowel prep, which was horrific, might I add. <laughs> um, and then 
the internal ultrasound showed that the sonographer was like, wow, this is a lot of endo growth for six, for six months worth. And I was like, bestie, it's been two. Uh-huh. So that explains why I'm in pain all the time. Uh-huh. Uh, and my bed is my favorite place. Mm-hmm. My electric rechargeable heat pack is my best friend. Yeah. And also, I don't know. The question for Danushi, how good is it for me to be taking NSAIDs all the time? Probably. I just think any kind of if Like ibuprofen. Like Advil says on the bottle, only take two days a week. Yeah, I just think any kind of pain relief, especially mm. anti-inflams, probably shouldn't be taking too long. Again, I'm not yeah. a medical professional, but if I can put my tinfoil hat on right now, mm. I've been for so long saying that Sam... I think this is not a gynecological problem. This is yes. an immune system problem that you have. Yeah. Because one, if your um, lesions or endo is growing that fast, mm. plus you have hella inflammation. In hella your PID. Pelvic, hella inflammation in your pelvic region. That sounds to me like your immune system is very dysregulated and skewed towards an inflammatory response rather than a tolerogenic or a like just any kind of other response so yeah that's been my tinfoil hat opinion on this and And that I don't know why they're giving you hormones and giving you all of these other options when maybe they should probably start with some bloods to do with some immunological markers and give you some precision immunological treatment but that's not what they're doing but here in this capital society we live in a society yeah you know endo having endo was my joker experience yeah um we live in a society and a tailored immunological treatment program is not very profitable Mm -mm. it's not gonna make the farm companies big money no 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 so they don't care about it and how many studies are funded by the pharmaceutical companies Exactly. How many studies are, like, just to support what the pharmaceutical companies want to say? And another thing is, when I was, you know, when when I was told that I had the PID, raging PID and endo, my first question was, could there be a link between these two? And my gynecologist at the time was like, oh, no, there's no link. But... You know, if we're now coming to believe that endo is probably more of an immune system issue, Mm -hmm. if, you know, maybe this ongoing inflammation and infection in the pelvic region has something to do with that too. Mm -hmm. And, like, you, 
My and because you they weren't able to culture any pathogen or bacteria in your pelvis, mm-hmm. maybe the inflammation is more like autoimmune related or like related yeah. to like it could be either your endometriosis driving that inflammation or the mm-hmm. inflammation driving that endometriosis. It's hard to tell. Yeah. But um it's insane to me that your gyno could just be like look straight into your eyes and be like they're not linked when me with I've had about three years of tertiary education so really not that much I can just look at that and be like they're so related there's no Mm. way they're not related Mm. Mm. at least no at least explore the idea of them exactly with that all being said this is Reflecting Light by Sam Phillips. It's just going to chill us out yeah. before we come back. This is Bell Hooks and Jars on Radio Photo with Sam and Danushi. Welcome back to Bell Hooks and Jars with Sam and Danushi. And that was Reflecting Light by Sam Phillips. Yeah, this is Radio Famous Fodder. Radio Fodder, that song famously from the Gilmore Girls soundtrack. Yeah, it's from the episode where um, mm-hmm. uh, Luke and Lorelai have their first date to yes. um, TJ and what's his sister's name? Liz. Liz. Liz's wedding. And they, yeah. they slow dance to Reflecting Light oh. in the town square. So perfect. So it's good. so perfect. Yeah. That is a very important, that's a beautiful song. I'm obsessed with yeah. it. Okay. Yeah. Jumping back in, it's been a week. In endo, mm-hmm. it's been a week. I think I, I'm a bit more across this than you are. I mm-hmm. think because I'm, I, I'm constantly yeah, I, on the <laughs> endo Instagrams. Yeah, I have, however, read the seventy-page um, clinical guidelines. Clinical guidelines, which and, we'll get into. Yeah, and that is I've read, uh, and the fact that I've been able to read it does not reflect that I'm a fast reader or have great reading skills. It it's, actually <laughs> reflects the fact that it's, it's shit. seventy pages of absolute garbage nonsense drivel. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Okay, so a week ago today, mm-hmm. it will be tomorrow's Wednesday. We're recording this on Tuesday. It will be a week ago from last Wednesday. Um, the the Australian Coalition for Endometriosis released their clinical guidelines. So that is um, that is Endo Australia, Endometriosis Australia, Quendo, Ranscog, which is the Royal Australian New Zealand College of Gynecologists, um, and some other. Oh, who else? Uh, Canberra Endo Network, Pelvic Plane Foundation of Australia, and Endo Active. That's yeah. who is, the ACE is, Coalition for Endometriosis. They released yeah. their guidelines. No one is happy. Mm-mm. Absolutely no one. Danushi, you read the whole thing. I skimmed mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Give us a rundown of what it's saying. Yep. So essentially... I do think, though, that having some kind of centralised step-by-step... Guidelines is a good idea. Yeah. But the guidelines that they've given 
a bullshit. Uh, <laughs> a bullshit. And so does not follow current literature and no. also doesn't follow what they've been saying for a long time. So, for example... And doesn't follow what the community wants. Mm, which is also important because yeah. they're the people that are going to not only experience these guidelines, but they're the ones that are, like, going to have to follow them or live out these guidelines. You know, the doctors just subscribe and prescribe them. Gynees, at 5pm, they can switch off and go home and not have to think about yeah. endo anymore. This is a 24-7-365 experience for people with endo. 24-7-365, pussy stay on my mind. Uh, exactly uh, uh. but in a bad way <laughs> in a bad way exactly. yeah like I we well, can't... in a push a tea in runaway in no, a bad way this is a, a bad way so basically the guidelines are pushing mainly for hormonal treatment mm-hmm. for endo which mm-hmm. I'm pissed about I'm upset about and I'm angry about. I also want to say that I saw this stat from Bridget, Bridget Hustwaite, who is a journalist on Triple J and um, runs Endogram and has a great book called How to Endo that I read last year when I was in the process of getting diagnosed. Great, awesome book. Um, she's an advocate for Endo. She, I saw this stat from her. I can't find where she got it from, but apparently 499,000 taxpayer dollars were spent on this guideline. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) And it's wrong. It is just patently wrong. Um, Also for nearly $500,000, maybe you could put in some in-text citations at every point. That's a great point because, Danushi, <laughs> how many pages is this? 70 pages. And how many sources did they cite? Like, it's 34, isn't it? 34, um, 34 citations. 34 none citations. Of, none of which are randomised controlled trials for... Very few are, like, peer-reviewed as well. Like, some of them are, like, um, Cancer Australia. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, The Department of Health. National Institute for Healthcare. Like, I'm, like, so you're citing yourself, Australian government? So Hmm. everybody is really angry. It's pushing for... Um, not just hormonal birth control, but Lupron, Zolodex, and Vizan, which mm-hmm. are three drugs that basically prematurely bring on menopause, mm-hmm. which I personally believe that that is not something that we want. No, there's one. Like, no. If I was to go on, if I was to go on one of those drugs right now, it would have huge ongoing effects for me. Hmm. And first, the premature part of menopause, yeah. but then the menopause part of it as well, yeah. which is associated with osteoporosis, yeah. uh, flushes, other cognitive and cogn- issues in cognitive function. Like, yeah. And are you um, trying to make 
people feel worse. I'm and confused. not only that, but there is no solid evidence that Lupron, mm. Zolodex, Visan actually treat endo. Mm-mm. Even though in the guidelines it says, explain tips, so this is what a GP or a guy, or I think GPs, this mm. is what they should do. Explain to people with suspected or confirmed endo that hormonal treatment for endometriosis can reduce pain and has no permanent negative side effects on subsequent fertility. I think other that is delay, other than delaying the time to fertility, which may be important depending on the person. So it does have a knock-on effects on fertility. Yeah. And fertility is defined by the time to be able to, like, fertility, infertility, sorry, is defined usually as, like, 12, um, un- the inability of falling pregnant uh, pregnant after 12, 12 months, months uh, yeah. of unprotected sex. So if it's delaying the time to fertility, that is, in fact, causing infertility. Fertility. <laughs> so... And also, like, there is association with hormonal treatments with breast cancer, ovarian cancer, cervical cancer. Yeah, exactly. I don't get it, and I'm angry, because... And you know what the red heart thing is here? What's the red heart thing, Danushi? No no citations. If If I wrote this in just an assignment, the, the... I already know that the if marker I, would obliterate me and be like, where, what, where's the source? Like, if I no was doing source. this little citations in a musicology paper or an English paper, yeah, my tutor would be like, that's a fail. Yeah. You didn't cite enough. I said this morning, text messages to my ex-boyfriend had yeah. more scientific rigor than this. Yeah. Which is not untrue. <laughs> At Royal College of Gynecologists, what are you doing, firstly? Secondly, um, yeah, so the, what they're giving is just wrong and yeah. then things get spicy. So Endometriosis Australia, Endoactive, these are the organisations that were part of the uh, coalition and who wrote the guidelines. People with endo are in their comments getting pissy, getting very, very angry at these being the guidelines and they're being, I'm going to say, very, very little. Patients are asking, why weren't we consulted? Mm-hmm. Why weren't we consulted on this? We have a lot of feedback to give and you just wasted 500000 taxpayer dollars on this and it's useless. Mm-hmm. they're saying and so um firstly I'll, I'll pull it up I've just got tabs on the site on the other page trying mm-hmm. to where I've got my um my Whilst you're doing Instagram that, can I just, yeah, yeah you can I just say, say something yes. $500,000 in terms of scientific funding money not that much no More money should have gone into making a set of guidelines yes not that yeah. much at all and two one thing that I also noticed so there's the 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 slant and support of hormonal treatment mm. and another thing I noticed is that for such a long time p- 
people have been told, we do not know if you have endo unless you've had surgery. Why aren't they pushing for more surgery? Yeah. Like for funding for surgery? No, instead this guideline, these new guidelines tend to be pushing towards ultrasounds and MRIs to be able to diagnose. Which you can't rule out endo with an ultrasound or MRI. No. Because you can't see colour. You can't see the colour. And the difference in the tissue is that endo is a dark red colour. Yeah, and the thing with the scientific method is that you can't really rule anything out. You can just rule out that you didn't find endo in those specific parts. Yeah. Yeah. So um, endo articles, which is a great account that I follow, Mm -hmm. on Instagram, Instagram, uh, Mm -hmm. I will put a link to their carousel post called what's going on with endometriosis in Australia where basically okay so they've got the the $499,000 here as well Um, and they say well firstly endometriosis Australia people have been in their comments saying we're angry absolutely ignored Mm -hmm. people with endo have been ignored right um and the the hashtag change the guidelines went was trending last week because people are so unhappy with this taxpayer pun taxpayer funded taxpayer funded um money taxpayer taxpayer money yeah taxpayer money going towards something that is i think is going to be damaging mm. and None of the charities, when Endo Articles published that post, none of the charities had responded. Then last week, oh, they also have another great um, post called What's Going On With The Clinical Guidelines. So I'm going to go through some of these stats that they've put here. You can also, I'll link this as well. So recommendation one, infertility on its own is not enough to suspect endometriosis. That's what the guideline says. The research says that 20 to 25% of endometriosis patients affected by infertility may be asymptomatic. So hmm, what's going on there? Second, their recommendations 14 to 15 say that people with suspected endometriosis may require access to a gynecologist with expertise in diagnosis. I think you definitely need access to a gynecologist with expertise in diagnosis and expertise in excision surgery. Because mm-hmm. that's, yeah. that's the gold, that's meant to be the gold standard treatment. We're told mm-hmm. o- over and over again, excision is the gold standard. And yet, mm-hmm. wh- what? Okay. And then they have no mention of excision in the laparoscopy section. But mm-hmm. excision is the only surgical method that is effective. Mm-hmm. There's more issues there as well. Um, it doesn't the it doesn't differentiate between excision and ablation surgery. Uh, it says that there's no evidence on the effectiveness of natural medicine. So then, why is Endometriosis Australia continuing to promote acupuncture and natural medicine on their socials? Mm-hmm. Um, it's saying that a hormonal treatment can be like recommended to those who have not had like 
had their, their endo diagnosed with surgery. Oh. Yeah, just oh, it's just they've given a very a very um endo articles has a just a great summary of all the things wrong with the clinical gu guidelines. Then Endoactive, which is run by um Sill and Leslie Friedman, they did a post about coming on to the next thing, the $58 million promised for endo last, is it Thursday or Friday? One of those days no, yeah. they announced $58 million for endo under the National Action Plan. Uh, we've got more to say about this. <laughs> $58 million for endo. Uh, and also that this post says that it has been it has felt very painful to see fragmentation without within our community recently uh, talking about how personally upset they are with endoact the people that run endoactive are with how upset everybody else has been with the guidelines that endoactive was part of writing mm -hmm. If you didn't want to be personally upset, maybe you should have done it right. <laughs> <laughs> and also then later on, and Endometriosis Australia said that, oh, we did actually have a consultation period. It was two months last year, November and December of last year, and they didn't really tell anyone. Mm. So how the hell are people going to... Uh, like give feedback when you haven't told us about the feedback. So quick breakdown of the $58 million for endo. 16.4 million to establish new specialized pelvic pain and endo clinics. That's good, I think. Um, 25.2 million for MRIs. I don't understand that. Mm. Do you understand that? <laughs> Mm, I think I well from what I can say if sorry let me start that again I think they're putting money into MRIs because it's just easier to administer mm. um, but again if the rigor is not there then yeah. what's the point like I feel like they're trying yeah. to be like oh this is a middle ground if we can kind of tell if you have endo and it's cheaper yeah. than surgery, then maybe, yeah. like, here you go, here's something for you, I guess. Yeah. Then $5.1 for developing an endometriosis management plan. I don't understand how that would work, honestly. Like, if they've got no medication for us, like, how are they, how are they, what's this management plan meant to be? I don't get it. And then another 5.1 million towards National Endometriosis Clinical and Scientific Trials Network. Okay. I'm into that. I think. And also there's, you know, five million. Five million, which isn't much, honestly. That's are you kidding me? <laughs> to run clinical trials? That's that's not a lot. No. <laughs> that's there should be way more towards that. And then no. another 2.5 million to transform and promote the Australian clinical practice guidelines for endometriosis. Okay. The ones that they spent 500,000 on and fucked up. 
Yeah. Uh, and then also another $2 million for awareness and education. Uh, and then this Endozone digital platform. And then $300,000 to promote access to the Medicare benefit schedule and PBS items for diagnosis and treatment for endometriosis. $300,000 does not feel like a lot of money for medication. What is that for just a couple of people? There's like 700, there's 700,000 people they think with endo in Australia. So not, that's not even, doesn't even get get, a dollar. They don't even get 50 cents each. Okay. And then, so this happens, and then ScoMo gets involved. Okay, classic. ScoMo Actually, no, not classic. He's classically uninvolved. Yeah. <laughs> but ScoMo gets on the press conference, which I can't watch back. Like, I found snippets of, but I can't watch the whole conference. ScoMo gets on the press conference, announces that Jenny has endo, mm-hmm. and then cries about it. Mm. I am not disparaging a man crying. I want to be very clear about that. I am not disparaging people supporting the people that they love who have endo. But I think it's a bit fishy that the guy that had to be sent to an empathy coach to know to care about a woman getting raped by one of his fellow MPs head of staff in Parliament House cares so much about Endo that he's crying on national TV. Mm. I also find the idea that we can we can and we are only driven to care about things that we have a close, close prox- to us. Close yeah. proximity to to be just like just stupid yeah and it's the same like again with um with Brittany Higgins I don't know who this is Brittany Higgins was the um staffer who was raped in Parliament House Jenny had to say to him imagine if it was one of our daughters for him to care Mm. perfect feminism really (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) um so And also then, like, Jenny goes on the Today Show on Thursday morning and is talking about her endo, which good on her for talking about her endo. But um, this quite, this feels like it is a very transparent ploy to try to get back the votes. It's an election year. We know that an election is happening soon. He's not admitted it yet. Oh, announced it really. <laughs> yeah. But we know that an election is happening this year and we know that the Liberal Party is in deep shit with women. Yeah. They know that they don't have the vote. And it mm. feels like a very transparent look at me. See, I'm a good guy. Vote for me. Let me have mm-hmm. my power still for him to be crying about this on TV. All that being said, it's time for secrets from a girl who's seen it all. By Lord. Mm-hmm. You're listening to Bell Hooks and Jars on Radio Fodder. I'm Sam and Danushi's with me. Welcome back to Bell Hooks and Jars. 
You're with Sam and Danushi on Radio Fodder, and that was Secrets from a Girl, in parentheses, who's seen it all by That's Lord. how I feel. I feel like a girl who's seen it all this week. Even yeah. though, girl, hmm, hmm. I don't know if that's the correct term for me, but yeah. I do feel like I've been giving I've some secrets from a girl who's seen it all. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think now it's It's wrap-up time. The wrap-up of the summary from this week's show and I think the biggest takeaway here is that all of the science research clinical guidelines blah 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 this that and the other we have to remember that they all have material impacts yeah on people's lives like this could this can be just a press release it can be a um a 70 page document but it's very much more than just just some guideline it's yeah it dictates the way in which anyone that comes in with period pain pelvic pain any of these symptoms will will be treated using these guidelines yeah. and so if these guidelines are wrong Mm. people will be probably yeah doctors will be doing malpractice yeah without maybe themselves not knowing that they're they're gonna be doing doing malpractice while the government tells them that everything they're doing is perfect right exactly also on a personal note you know about how this really affects people's lives the day after my surgery, when I got the call, it wasn't the day after, but a few days after, when I got the call that I had endo, trigger warning here, probably skip 30 seconds ahead, um, but I was I was facing, when I got that call, and also it was just a phone call to tell me, oh, you've got a chronic illness, Ooh. great, awesome. Um, I was so scared at the idea of having to live in pain for the rest of my life that I had to go to the ER that day because I almost killed myself um and like this is what we mean this yeah this is you know to the Ranscog this is just another day at work but to Mm. their patients this is life and death and not just because endo not because I I think it's treated like because endo isn't going to kill you on its own oh it's it's benign now is it yeah yeah it's benign now is it like suffering from chronic illness that is as painful as this is is it can kill you honestly yeah and so yeah I had something else to say Oh, my other question to leave people with is, you know, all this money going towards these platforms and these, like, support groups and, you know, endometriosis Australia and stuff. I want to know how many, how many bureaucrats are being paid with that money? Mm. How much of this money is actually going to the people suffering from it? Yeah. Not much. How many dollars are we going to see? If they're putting 300000 was it 300000 $300,000 towards medication. What does that even mean? I'm <laughs> what does so that even confused. do? Anyway. Like, if you want to- I also 
<laughs> I just quickly, I just yeah. don't know how much material help. Like, I understand those advocacy groups are important and they should be funded, but like, they can only do good after patients have been able to enter the system and then be able to see doctors. Like, yeah, those um, NF non for profits and advocacy groups. Uh, more aftercare they're Mm. more um they they should honestly exist as afterthoughts in a way ideally we shouldn't need them ideally the medical system should do the job yeah but they're not things that should be funded when the medical system isn't funded exactly like if we have money left over then maybe we can fund preventative measures and um we need you know first they need to stop cutting funding to hospitals Mm. giving you know we need nurses to be paid properly for the work they do we Mm. need registrars to be paid and to have living livable working conditions Mm -hmm. and you know because if somebody comes in there have been people women have recently died internationally from complications from endometriosis and if you are one woman in america died due to surgery complications having been dismissed for years you know if a doctor is doing surgery on you you know maybe you've gone through the public system and you're admitted to the ER and a registrar who's been on call for 24 hours is doing your surgery because there's nobody else to help. Like that's an issue too. Mm -hmm. And this stuff isn't going to be fixed overnight and throwing $58 million at Mm -mm. charities isn't going to do much for it either. No. And like put more money into people who are, researching new therapeutics please do not put more money into shoveling contraception down people's throats exactly well thank you guys for listening we'll talk we'll chat next week um you can find us on instagram at bell underscore hooks underscore and underscore jars uh you can find me at buddhist underscore butler and danushi at dan dot sushi um Tweet at us, DM us. We want to know your thoughts. We did have mm-hmm. a request from a listener to talk about this, but I was already I was already thinking about talking about this yeah. this week. But a listener did request, so we love requests because mm-hmm. our little brains run out of thoughts. Yeah, surprisingly. I've, I've got one hamster in a wheel making my <laughs> brain go. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, on Twitter, I'm Buddhist underscore butler and Danushi is dan.sush1. Thank you, guys. Chat next week. Love you. Bye. Bye.